Easy like Sunday morning. I'm really excited about it. So this is our fourth last Sunday night service for now. Fourth last. We got three more. Is that even good English? I'm glad Amy's keeping me. Listen, listen, I don't know what happened to you guys, but I'm just going to need you to simmer down. That is not good. Neither is my laptop. No, I'm going to wing it. I'm going to wing it. All right, here we go. You guys ready? Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. As we come to the end of the Sermon on the Mount, as we come to the to the to the conclusion of this particular series, but not the end of who we are called to be, and that is followers of Jesus, disciples. My prayer is that this text, one verse, one verse, don't show it yet, one verse will help us challenge us and encourage us to start living as Christ has called us to live, to start practicing that which we have been learning to become so that we will be known as and for what it is we've been charged to go and make, that is, disciples. So Matthew chapter 7, verse 12 says this. In everything, somebody say, in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. The Amplified Version says it this way, so then, in everything... Treat others the same way that you want them to treat you. You might understand that to be the golden rule. Tonight I've titled this message, In Everything. In Everything. Let me pray for us. Father, I pray that your word for us tonight would be a lamp unto our feet, and it would be a guide unto our path, that it would nourish us, it would strengthen us, and it would awaken us to the wonder of your Son, Jesus and that it might help us to live according to your purpose for our life today and every day going forward. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Have you ever been given a gift that the giver was far more excited about the gift than you were receiving it? You've ever had that moment where the giver was just over the moon excited, like beyond themselves, which kind of makes makes your level of expectation like extremely high because you would assume that that person knows you really well, which is why they're so excited to give you this gift. My sister did this to us once. I love my sister dearly. She's the sweetest person on the planet. Her children are actually here in Purpose Kids tonight. Uh, she's not yet, but she will be. Uh, and and what, I've, what I wanted to share this with you, not to make a, a stab at my sister or, or throw her under the bus, and she's not here to defend herself, but just as an example for the purpose of tonight's talk. You see, my sister uh, understands that we have a, a deep love affair for the Denver Broncos. It's just in my blood. You cut me open, and it's pretty much... Blue and orange. It's, I know I have, uh, I'm a fan of a lot of sports, like the Lakers. Go Lakers. Um, I am a Braves fan as well. I know it's weird, but it's just the way I am. Accept me for who I am or don't. I don't care. Uh, but here's the deal. My sister got so excited one year. We kind of do this like, you know, elephant exchange gift thing, but it's kind of weird because they don't want to do joke in gifts. They want to do like real gifts. And so the rule is always like get what you would want to take home. My sister took it seriously. I'm all for the Broncos. She brought this Denver Broncos crock pot to the party. 
and she thought for sure we were going to be like over the moon pumped, like super excited. She was like, you're going to love it, you're going to love it, you're going to love it. And we opened it, and we're like, ah, this is great. This is awesome. Like her intentions were pure and they were great. And like I said, I'm not trying to bag on her, but, but I'm just simply pointing out a fault or a misrepresentation of this text. Let me give you another example. Anyone heard of a, a writer or na- a man named Gary Chapman? He, he wrote a book called The Five Love Languages. And within that book, there's an assessment to help you discover your love language. Well, here's what happens. We take the test, we find out what our love language is, and then we walk around with a license to love others the way we passively and often aggressively want them to love us back. Like, like, like my, my wife is like physical touch, and I'm like quality time. She's over here like physically touching me, and I'm like, would you stop? And I'm over here just sitting here in her presence like, would you spend time with me? And she's like touching me, and I'm like wanting to spend time with her, and we're just passively, aggressively loving each other back, hoping that they'll figure it out. Like she's trying to figure out well, if you just touch me more, it would mean more. And if I, I would like, if you just stop touching me and just sit next to me, it would mean a lot more. And what we find is that we're loving each other so passively, aggressively, we're actually neglecting the very need the person has because we're hoping they'll get it through our desire to love them the way we hope they love us back. Quit touching me. Like I'm a fall asleep, cuddle, and then like scoop and ditch kind of guy. We got a a king-size bed for that reason. You know, you just kind of scoop and then you just roll out and you just ditch. Scoop and ditch. It's just how we roll. I know. The whole point is not to, 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 to make fun of our love languages. You can. It's fun. I'm here for that. It's to help us to, to look at and understand this text from a different perspective. I love what Rosa Parks says. She says, nothing in the golden rule says that others will treat us as we have treated them. It only says that we must treat others in a way that we would want to be treated. You see, the golden rule, or what Jesus is on about in this text, is not a one-dimensional way of living. And it's not intended to be self-serving. Rather, as Jesus teaches in John's gospel, the way to live is this way. In John 13 and 34, he says, A new commandment I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Verse 35, by this, everyone will know that you are my what? Disciples, if you love one another. He says a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. As I have loved you. Here's what Jesus did. He laid his hands on the sick. He ate, he ate meals with the most unlikely of people, in some cases the most detestable of people in some people's eyes. He washed their feet. He healed their families. He reclined at their tables. He ate with them. He broke bread with them. And then he went as far as to die on a cross for them. You know, like when you're having a conversation and somebody says, they say. And you're like, oh, really? They said that? Did you ever have the courage to like just ask them, well, who are they? In this case, it's a them. He did it for them. And you know what's so powerful about the idea of him doing it for them is that we can all 
include ourselves as one of the them. As one of the them. He says, a new commandment I give you, to love one another as I have loved you. By this, everyone will know. Everyone will know that you are my disciples, my followers, those who are known as and now capable of making disciples. He, he says it another way later in John chapter 15 and verse 9. He says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my father's commands and remained in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Does anybody need complete joy in their life? My command is this then to love each other as I have loved you. Verse 13, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life. For one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. Remember this. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Huh. Ask him. That sounds familiar. Whatever you ask him in my name, the Father will give you. Verse 17, this is my command. Love each other. Greater love. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down your life for your friends, for one another. You see, I've, I've started to realize that I am the best friend you will ever have. Unafraid to say. My desire is to be the best friend you'll ever have. I, I want you to know that if you've never had a best friend, you have one in me. It's my, it is absolutely that question becoming the singular most important thing in my life. Is that you know that if you are ever in need of a friend, I'll be it. But here's the, here's the truth. That's not always been the case. That's not always been the case you see I lived a long time in my life wanting and desiring and being desperate for a best friend for someone to live that way towards me for someone to be like I am now towards me I lived in such a way that I wanted people to love me and to go out of their way for me and to lay down their life for me. But you've got to understand something. I expected it from them, but I was not willing to do it for them. It's how I live most of my life. And what I've discovered is that as I pursued this life, as I sat around waiting and hoping that someone would come along and be that kind of friend for me, my life was more full of sadness and disappointment. And I was often let down more than I was ever lifted up. Until someone asked me this question. Are you a best friend to others? Are you someone that they can count on? Are you someone that would go out of their way for them? Who, who sacrifices your time, your talents, your treasure, your preferences? Who makes sacrifices when it's hard to make them for the betterment of somebody else? Are you somebody that would be willing to lay down your life for others? I was talking to somebody a couple of days ago, that was a couple of weeks ago now, and I said, man, I've given my life for this. And they looked at me point blank, why? 
Why would you do that? And it actually took me back because it's somebody that I highly respect. Like, it kind of rattled me a little bit. Like, well, what do you, what? why would you ask me that? Why wouldn't we lay down our life for this? If it, if it creates an opportunity for somebody to come to know Jesus the way you and I have come to know Jesus, if it creates an opportunity for them to discover that he, in fact, has a purpose for their life, if it means that they are going to understand that there is greater days ahead of them than were behind them, and if it means that God has appointed them and anointed them for such a time as this, then you bet your bottom dollar and every dollar on top of that, I'm going to lay down my life again and again and again because it's my greatest hope is that you would know Jesus not me if you know me along the way great but my ultimate hope and goal is that you would know Jesus and if it means I get to lay down my life in an attempt for you to know him like I do then so be it well the answer to the guy's questions were obviously no I wanted to be treated that way before I treated anyone that way And I think that, my friends, is what's missing in this life. We've been busy waiting for BFF material to show up when Jesus is teaching us to go and be a BFF to everyone. I, I think it's often true in the same context as going and making disciples. The church is in trouble mainly because we have been so busy building church buildings, sitting around waiting for God to send us disciples to keep building with. It's like we did a Houdini on God. Who done it? He said, no, 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 guys. I, I need you to go and make disciples. I need you to go in everything, love one another, do unto others as you would want them to do unto you. And I think that's what Paul, uh, that's why Paul writes to the church in Galatia. And I think if we really looked at this text, it's, it's quite savage. And I think it's in perfect alignment with what Jesus is teaching us here. He says this in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, keyword opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers in everything. Do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of of believers. So the question is worth asking, what are you sowing? That is ultimately what you will reap. We're called to go and make disciples. We're called to be known as disciples. The question that we're asking is, what are we sowing in the effort? Let me just put it to you this way. You want to be you want a BFF? So BFF status. You want joy in your life? Sow joy into others. You want people to be generous towards you? Then be generous towards people. You want people to be kinder towards you? Then why don't you try being kinder towards all people? You see, the deal is, though, we can't pick and choose. 
I can't go, well, I'm going to be generous with this side of the room in hopes that this side of the room is going to be generous back to me. Well, I can't be BFFs to these guys in hopes that, no, no, no. We've got to do it in everything with all people at all times, in every season, in and out of health, in and out of wellness, in and out of, Paul says, I've learned to live with little, I've learned to live with much. To Greeks, I'm Greeks, to Jews, I'm Jews. To the sick, I'm sick, and to the healthy, I'm healthy. He, 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 he shows us a beautiful picture of what it le- le- means to live a life of contentment, not complacency. Jesus said, love each other as I have loved you. And you might be thinking, as he loved me. Well, that's a pretty tall order. Didn't we just talk a couple weeks ago that he kind of like died for us? And you're up here like, you know, love, love, love people like Jesus loved us. It's kind of a tall order, Pastor. Yeah, he, he literally laid down his life for us. There's no, there's no question about that. That's, that's fact. Yet that's not necessarily what he's asking us to do. What he's asking us to do is to die or forego the selfish, physical, and egotistical desires of this world. And wholeheartedly seek the kingdom of God. In other words, he's saying quit sitting around waiting for someone to show up and start loving you, being nice to you, being generous towards you, and go be that kind of person to others. Go be that person to others. Matthew 7 and 12, we come back to this text. It says, in everything. Somebody say, in everything. Do to others what you would have them do to you. Maybe another way of saying it is this way. John 15 and 9 says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. In other words, love as you have been loved. That's what Jesus did. He loved us as he was loved by who? His Father. The Bible says that he didn't do anything that he didn't see his father doing. He didn't love us any differently than the father loved him. And so he's saying, hey, as I have loved you, love others the same way I have loved you. My father loved me. I've only practiced what I have been taught from the father. We're only practicing what we've been taught from Jesus. We're only practicing what we're being taught by one another. As we go and make disciples, as we commit our life to following Jesus with all of our life, our heart and our soul, what he'll show us is a way of living that will call us to lay down our life for one another in such a way that more people might come to know Jesus and discover his purpose for their life. And we might see heaven invade the earth, not sit around seeing kumbaya hoping for a one-way ticket to heaven no offense i love acoustic worship i'm just not interested in sitting around waiting any longer i'm more interested in sending you and i into our community into our spaces and places if you keep that on your finger you never lose it so that we might see more people so that we might see the kingdom of god so that we might see heaven invade the earth. That is what Jesus was really driving home with his disciples. And it's what he's teaching us. He's saying, in everything, love as you have been loved. Love as you have been loved. Stop for just a second. Close your eyes. How have you been loved? I, I'm not talking about physical love. 
I'm not talking about. Maybe, maybe you're reflecting on the way that somebody in this room has loved you. But my hope is that you would see in that person's love for you a, a Christ-like love. How, how has Jesus loved you? How has he loved you through a situation or a season? How has he loved you into to wholeness or healing? How, how has he loved you into a sense of purpose or belonging? How, how, has he, how has he loved you in such a way that you would begin to, to see clearer and hear clearer again? How, how has he loved you in such a way that you started to breathe a little easier? How has he loved you? How has he loved you? Because the way, the way his father loved him, Jesus loved people like this. The way his father loved him, Jesus loved you and I like this. And I am, it's not lost on me that, that Jesus used people along the journey of my life to, to allow me the opportunity to experience the love of Christ through the way they loved me, through the way they made sacrifices for me, for the way they laid down their life for me in ways they were best friends to me before I even understood what it meant to, to have a best friend or be a best friend. I have recognized that Jesus used people who, who got a revelation of what it meant to go and love one another as Christ has loved them. And I am standing here today as a witness to others who have loved me. I can sit here and name names, Kalen and, and Jims and Steves and Deans and, 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 and Brandons and Johns and, and, and Katies and Kathys and, and, and the list can go on and on and on and on of all the people that God has used to, to allow me to experience the love of Christ because they were willing to set their agendas aside and get in the way of God's plan for their life and sow a seed of hope into my life so that I might be able to then do the same for somebody else. Go. In everything, go. In everything, love as you have been loved. In everything, do unto others as you would want done to you. Because of the way his father loved him, Jesus loved people like this. He, he rewarded, listen to this, he rewarded the industrious. He rejected oppressors. He, he, he praised in, in, in the generous. He, he healed the sick and raised the dead. He cleansed the untouchable. He forgave sinners. Some of you are already uncomfortable just by this list of people that Jesus demonstrated his love to. But yet it's the very same people he's calling you and I and he's charging us to go in love. He denied. He dined with criminals and pardoned prostitutes. He washed their feet and healed their families and regularly reclined at the table with them. He called trained and empowered world changers out of ordinary fishermen, corrupt accountants and broke farmers. He loved them as his father loved him. He loved them generously and sacrificially by dying on a cross for them. If none of us can't see ourselves in them, then we have missed something here tonight and over the last several months and even the last year that what he's done for us is the very thing he's calling and charging us to go and do for someone else. Not passively, aggressively. Not loving them with our love language, hoping that they'll figure it out but doing it as Christ did it, sacrificially, generously, and it oftentimes inconveniently, inconveniently. In everything, love as he is loved. You see, this is what happened. This transformed them from the inside out. This transformed me from the inside out. And I believe, I believe it can transform you from the inside out. Would you stand with me tonight, church? Why? 
Because in everything, people are transformed when they are loved as Christ loved us. People are transformed in everything. Let me say this again. In everything, people are transformed when they are loved as Christ loved us. So let me ask you our question again. What do you want people to do for you? How do you want to be treated? Let me, let me submit another question. How do you want to be loved? How do you want to be loved? I want you to ponder that for just a second. And I want to pause here for just a moment because there might be some people here tonight that have never experienced this kind of love and never even believed it was possible, maybe even doubted its, its existence up until this very moment where God is making himself real to you. Where the presence of God that has drawn you close has allowed you the opportunity to, to realize that you can, in fact, be loved this way. Loved in such a way that you would experience wholeness and healing. Even right now in this moment, your, your heart is beginning to soften. You're being transformed right now in this very moment. You're beginning to let go of all of the pain and all of the hurt. You're beginning to just allow yourself a moment to rest in the peace and the presence of God. What I can assure you of is this, is that that is grace knocking at the door of your heart. Here's what I know. We can't go and start spouting truth hoping that that will set people free. We can't go from here and start beating people up inside their heads with our Bibles hoping that that will set people free. We can't leave here get on our social media platforms and just pointing people to truth and pointing out all the ways that they're missing the mark and hope that it will set people free. The only way that we're going to truly see people free is when we lead with grace because it was by grace that you and I were set free. It enabled us an opportunity, invited us to a conversation. It pulled up a seat at the table where truth became real for us in a manner that was able to bring healing and transformation. And it wasn't because truth led the way, it was because grace led the way. Tonight you're believing that healing is possible, that transformation is possible, that life can be completely turned upside down and inside out because of grace. And it's grace who's knocking at the door of your heart. It is grace that wants an invitation to come into your life. It is grace that wants you to understand how much you're loved and how much you're valued. And no matter what you've done, God still has a purpose for your life. And it is beautiful and it is wonderful. And it will transform everything around you because of his love for you. So before we move on any further, just with every eye closed, if there's anybody here tonight that senses and feels like grace is knocking at the door of your heart, for the first time, maybe in a long time, or for the very first time ever in your life, you're starting to believe that you could, in fact, be forgiven, that you could, in fact, be loved unconditionally, that you could, in fact, be here for a purpose. With every eye closed, if there's anybody in the room tonight, would you just do me a brave thing? No one's looking. This isn't to embarrass you. This is between you and the Lord. Right where you're standing, would you just lift your hand to heaven and say, that's me. That's me. Grace is knocking at the door of my heart, and I'm ready to let him in. It's Jesus knocking, by the way. Saying, I'm here. Beautiful. Beautiful. Come on, anybody else? Is there anyone else? Does everyone close your eyes? This is not to embarrass anyone. This is between you and the Lord.
You're saying, here I am. I'm ready to invite you in. I'm ready to be forgiven. I'm ready to experience the love of God. Anybody else? Just wait another moment. Beautiful. Beautiful. Here's what we're going to do. We're all going to say this prayer together. And then I'm going to close with an encouragement to us. Here's a prayer. Repeat after me. Jesus, thank you for showing me and allowing me an opportunity to experience and receive your love. Forgive me for all that I've done. Help me to walk according to your purpose for my life today and every day going forward. Today, I invite grace into my life so that I might be free in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. So how do you want to be loved? How do you want to be loved? Eugene Patterson says it this way. He says, here is a simple rule of thumb. It's a guide for behavior. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you. Then grab the initiative and do it for them. Add up God's laws and prophets, and this is the way you ought to live. This is what you get. Let's be a people who love like Jesus loved. Who in everything we grab the initiative and do to others as he has done for us. This week, I want to challenge us to ask the Lord to reveal somebody that he wants you to love as he has loved you. Be ready to be inconvenienced. Be ready to be called out into the deep. But be willing to take a step of faith and trust that he will meet you there. It may not be the easiest thing you've ever done, but I assure you that person who God reveals to you has been praying for somebody like you to come into their life. They've been looking for BFF material. They've been looking for somebody full of joy or where their joy is complete. They've been looking for somebody to share their good news with them. And it may just very be, may just be the very person who's hanging on by a thread. And you might just be the one that brings healing to their life and joy to their soul. So could I charge you this week to go and love and to do as we have learned and as we have experienced and as we have received from God through His Son, Jesus. And do it in such a way that in everything, others would experience the love of Christ as we have. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Church, we love you. In everything, go and love. And go share with somebody that we're moving to Sunday mornings because it's easy like Sunday mornings starting June 4th. We'll see you next Sunday, 5 o'clock, three more weeks till we move. Love you, church.